2: Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post Christian world. Learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together.
0: I have a question for you. Is Christmas music,
1: Mm. by the way, this is Matt Tebby. Hey. And Ben Sternke, Gravity Leadership. Yep, you yep, got it. Yada
0: yada. Is Christmas music a big deal in your house?
1: Um, sort of. It's not a huge Wait, deal. You would know. You would yeah, know yeah, if yeah. it yeah. is. It's not a big deal. Um, my wife does like to, uh, listen to Christmas music. It's kind of a carefully curated Christmas. She, music. It's not just anything. Yeah. 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 You don't have anything. time for that. Yeah. Only Jabronis have time for that. Yeah. yeah.
0: What, and Jamokes? Yeah. What's, what does Jamoke mean? Is that offensive? I don't even know what jabroni means. Did I just say something offensive? I hope not. That would be only the 13th time this
3: morning. Yeah, whoops.
1: (laughs) If Um, that offends you, uh, just email Matt at gravityleadership.com and let him know what a jaboke is. You're
0: only starting to get to know me when when, when I've pushed you away. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Three
1: times.
0: (laughs) Um, No, uh, Christmas music. What what does she listen to? Uh,
1: You know... Do you feel well, comfortable for, Can you for, share a that? While, for a while? Is we this listened a violation Sufjan. of confidence? No, I don't think okay. so. Uh, Sufjan Stevens. We used to listen to uh, a lot of oh, his yeah, album. Yeah. We got a little tired of that one a few years ago because we just like, we overdid yeah, it a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like played out. It's played out. It's played out uh, even though it's great music and uh, love love the uh, love the guy, but you know, we just got a little tired of it. So, so it's a lot of that kind of thing. I think. Um, gosh, I can't remember. There's a, there's a couple other. Christmas albums that I really appreciate.
0: I grew up listening to Christmas music. My mom was playing it nonstop from like basically Labor day on. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Christmas. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, as soon as we turned the air conditioning off, Christmas music went on. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I grew up with Harry Belafonte. Oh wow. He's got a Christmas yeah, this album. Is cla-
1: this is, uh, this is older than Sufjan Stevens. I grew
0: up with the Muppets and John Denver Christmas
1: album. Oh yeah. I grew up my with. My parents love John Denver. Yeah. They oh,
0: my parents love John Denver too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up listening to the Carpenter's Family Christmas album. Oh, yeah. That may be my favorite. My, that may be my favorite. My mom loved the Carpenter's. It's a solid, yeah, solid yeah, yeah. album. Every time yeah. Karen Carpenter sings, oh, yeah. an angel gets his wings. Yeah. That lady. <laughs> yes. Who, yes. I yeah. remember I remember being in grade school or middle school, and we watched a Karen Carpenter story on, on TV. Yeah. It was basically about her eating disorder and how oh. she died of I anorexia. Didn't know any of this. Yeah, wow. she had anorexia crazy. and died. And uh, I remember thinking... I was probably ten, eleven, twelve, hmm. watching this in school, thinking I'm I'm too young to watch this. I should not be
1: watching this. <laughs> this is uh, are there
0: adult life here? issues yeah. going on right here? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and we we I also grew up listening to my mom was into new age music, which mm-hmm. um, some of you that may trigger you, I know. But new age music doesn't have anything to do with necessarily pagan religion. Right. It was it's, just a genre, genre, a genre. of music.
1: Uh, I don't know if you're saying it right, but yeah, isn't could, it? It's a French word, right? Genre. Yeah, Jean? yeah. There's no syllables. John. Every French word is one. Genre syllable. Genre is like yeah. saying gyro. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, for the Americans listening, uh, my the Similar genre of New Age. <laughs> I don't know what jaboke <laughs> yeah,
3: means. Don't, don't
1: say it again. Oh, j- oh, I was saying the wrong thing. What I said jaboke. No, no, no.
0: Jabroni means a foolish or contemptuous person. Okay. Um, well, what jiboke, was I thinking
1: of? Hey, Jamoke, m- we keep saying it. I'm uh, afraid that, it's is offensive. The J word. <laughs> I don't
0: know what it means. I was
1: thinking Jabberwocky. That's something. Oh, uh, well,
0: different. that's different too. That's um, that
1: Alice in Wonderland.
0: Anyway, the 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 new age uh, album was
1: A Winter Solstice. It was like this instrumental. Oh, I know that. You know I used to listen solstice? to that all the, all the time. Uh, what's the guy's name? Wyndham Gar- Hill. Gary Wyndham Hill Records. Yeah. Gary, Greg, George. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> George. George Winston. George, George Winston. There it is. Yeah, George Windham Winston. Hill, he
0: also yeah. had an album called December. Anyway, so all these, all this music. It's the only reason I haven't deleted uh, iTunes off my laptop oh, and just streamed everything stuff. through Spotify, huh. because I have all these albums from my childhood downloaded here, oh, yeah. and it would be, it would just take me a lot of time to curate that that playlist somewhere. Yeah, else. yeah, sure. So I actually have an external hard drive uh-huh. and a 500 gig flash drive on my laptop, mostly
1: with Christmas music,
0: mostly to to, to to ferry my Christmas music along my journey with me from my childhood. So maybe your Christmas music is in full swing, which yeah. is legal, speaking as Anglicans. That's okay. uh, Harmon likes that when we speak as Anglicans. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it. that we're officially in the liturgical season of Advent. Yes. And you can... Start it on Sunday. You can listen to... Now, honestly... Mm -hmm. Can I get a little nerdy? Sure. Um, There's a difference between Advent music and Christmas music. Yes,
1: there is. A huge difference.
0: Yeah. And we don't really delineate between those two things in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Jingle Bell Rock? Neither. (laughs) Neither.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who who knows what that's about? Jingle Bells? Neither.
0: No, there's like cultural Christmas music, but then there's like uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is an Advent song. That's an Advent song, song, right? Yeah. It's a longing.
1: The Advent's a season of longing. It's a season of uh, awaiting the coming uh, of Christ. And actually, uh, the church for a long time has coupled it with, uh, right now, we don't long for Christ's first Advent, we long for His second Advent, we long for His second coming. So Advent's actually a season where we, we talk about and think about and long for the second coming yes. of Christ.
0: It's when I read through all the left-behind books again. Mm-hmm. Every yep, Advent, yep. <laughs> as a
1: discipline. <laughs> well, actually, the first Sunday, of, if you're not familiar, if you didn't go to a liturgical church on Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, like, the readings are a little shocking. Yeah, they're Because pretty- it's Jesus talking about the the destruction of the temple and how the church has sort of taken some of those scenes and said, like... You know, the, these are scenes that we uh, meditate on yeah. as we think about the end of all things, and so yeah. if you're coming in expecting, you know, little Jesus in a manger, the first Sunday of Advent can be a little shocking, jarring. Yeah. So anyway,
0: there's there's Christmas songs that are like "Joy to the World, the Lord has come." Mm-hmm. Right. That's that would be a the Christmas, Lord has come. Right. Th- that'd it's be past a Christmas tense. song. Right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that is probably way more nerdy than you wanted. If you want a
1: good. Album for Advent. How did I'll you know? i just say this. How did you know I did? If you want specifically Advent music, I would recommend—we'll put a link in the show notes—Liturgical uh, Folk, our friend Ryan Flanagan— Shout um, out. —has a, a great Advent album. It's specifically Advent music um, that he wrote um, for—it's it's around some uh, specific prayers uh, yes. that we pray uh, for the four Sundays of Advent. Um, and it's, it's great. And it ends with uh, this, you know, the nativity. Um, it ends with uh, the birth of Christ. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. beautiful album. I, he, I really, really like it.
0: Does he cover, is that the album he covers, Baby, It's Cold Outside? Yep, that one <laughs> and Jingle Bells, I think. <laughs> By the way, yep. before we, I, we gotta get into this. We do. But uh, John Legend... Yeah, re-recorded "Baby It's Cold Outside" uh-huh. and took out all the creepy, rapey lyrics. Oh, really? He rewrote it. Oh, wow! With a, with that's a impressive because there's. She's like, I, I really can't stay. He's like, you have agency over your body. <laughs> She's like, I gotta go away. Far be it from me to say no. You <laughs> that's know, that's amazing. She's like, it's this evening has been. <laughs> yeah. You really should maybe turn in. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's yes, it's not as cheesy it's, as that, but, right? right. Yeah. but it, he it's like not uh,
1: coercive. Uh, it's not creepy and coercive. Here's yeah. what's
0: fascinating to me. So we just we just rewatched Elf recently. We have these, oh, yeah. um, uh, again, I'm using this in a cultural way, Christmas movies that our kids like. Right, elf right. is one of them. Yeah. And you know, there's a scene where uh, Will Ferrell as Elf is sitting in a shower right. and uh, Jovi um, is, uh, what's her name? What's the uh, singer's right. name? Zoe Zoe Zoo She's singing that song and he's singing the other part yeah. and it's like cute because like the Elf doesn't know that he's not supposed to be in a bathroom with a right. woman, even though that would seem that would seem like something that would translate from an elf culture. I've never met <laughs> an elf, but yeah, yeah. that would seem yeah, yeah. anyway, but uh even that was that movie came out eighteen years ago. That's amazing. But eighteen years ago, that song was like delightful, super and heartwarming cute. Yeah. and cute, and everybody yeah. had these, you know, warm jingle bell tinglies happening yeah, when they yeah. heard it. And now you listen to that song yeah. and you're it's like
1: new eyes. After Me Too, it's
0: crazy yeah. how fast culture is, sh- is shifting right now. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, honestly, that's what we do at Gravity. We're trying to we're trying to uh, help help each other inhabit a faith that's that will endure. That's yeah. agile, not fragile. That mm. is adaptable, not sort of uh, static. Yeah. And yeah. and if if one thing happens, for instance, if it's no longer okay to date-rape women, <laughs> which, or thank God, about it's it. not, or yeah. sing about it. Yeah. Like, your faith, you don't have to lose everything. Yeah. And so, uh, friends, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for yeah. signing up and joining our email list. It's free. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't yet considered or done so, please consider signing up and supporting us on Patreon, mm-hmm. patreon.com backslash Leadership. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing this Yep, and we'd love for you to do it with us.
1: Yeah. It's a great way to be involved. Um, also, uh, we're going to get into this interview here with Chuck DeGroat. Uh, we're going to talk about the Enneagram and narcissism. Um, he's got some, just some really insightful things to say. This guy. Yeah. I love this guy. Oh yeah. And we got to actually go into his office. Uh, we, we were up in Michigan, um, and we got to go, uh, hang out in his office, uh, at the seminary there. And, um. I really liked his office. <laughs>
3: I did too. His yeah, books were amazing. A lot of can books, I, can I tell you like a quick candles, anecdote?
1: Yeah.
0: About this is about my dad actually. Okay. My dad did all like you know dad jokes or like dad mm-hmm. like dad. My dad always would uh, say words that were like PG thirteen, uh, like button poop jokes. <laughs> nice. So we had this. So anyway, anytime, uh-huh. anytime he said office growing up, he'd say orifice. Orifice. And yeah. every time somebody says office, I just think orifice, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't. <laughs> Any have anything to do with no, Chuck no, no. DeGroote. Yeah, yeah. Not that he's against orifices. Yeah. Well, but I mean, we weren't we were in his
1: office. Yeah, yeah. We were in his office. It was uh it was a great conversation.
0: Just just to be clear, Chuck has no position mm. on on orifices at all. That was me. Inner right, inner yeah. I was putting something in I don't want to put words <laughs> in Chuck's mouth. We were in Chuck's office we talking were. about the Enneagram. We should probably just yes. get to that. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, if you are we the reason we're doing this series. Why? Uh, is that we do uh, Enneagram workshops. And so if you're interested in bringing us into your city, your church, uh, your region, check it out at uh, gravityleadership.com slash Enneagram. And um, th- we've also got links to all the places we're going to be. We're going to be in Indianapolis uh, in January. We're going to be in uh, Michigan a couple times in March and April, a couple other uh, uh, places so far. So anyway, check it out. And if you want to support us on uh, our membership community, that's patreon.com slash Gravity Leadership. We are thankful that you guys are part of this community and uh, yeah, let's get to this interview. It's Advent. Yep, it's Advent uh, and uh, here's Chuck DeGroat on the Enneagram and Narcissism. Chuck, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's really good to have you uh, on location in Chuck's lo- office. Yeah, we're in Chuck's office. Uh, we're smelling a, a lovely candle,
0: and I'm I'm um, distracted aesthetically. <laughs> Why is that? Well. You've got about 73 books in here, Chuck, that I've identified that I haven't read that I really want to read. Yeah. And then there's like another 43 books, like The Critical Journey by Hagberg mm. oh, that's or a good these one. Laird books here that yeah. changed my life yes. mm. that I just want to talk to you about. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. so many, so few people have read. I mean, The Critical Journey, that was a seminal book for me. Yeah, it's so important. It named mm. so many things yeah. I couldn't name. And I was like, "This changes everything." Yeah. But it's like this little, little, teeny tiny book. Yeah. Who know? knows about it? Who, nobody. Yeah. 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 And then the and then the Laird books have been. Yeah. I'm rereading into the Silent Land now, yeah. uh, and reading it much slower, so I actually practice what he's talking about rather than just ripping through <laughs> it. Right. Yeah. Good. Just uh,
1: having the pleasure of knowing this. Knowing this idea. Anyway, yeah, like yeah. ADD. Yeah. Like yeah.
0: I, I have ADD, and the visual stimulation of this room is almost mm. more than I can take. Mm.
1: Yeah. You have to do the whole podcast with your eyes.
0: Closed. I'm going there to you have go. to take close off your my glasses. <laughs> My glasses just are breathe. off. Just breathe,
4: <laughs> just breathe, Matt. It's going to be okay. There we go. Yeah, we go. We I haven't read any, any of these books anyway. I just keep them around. Just to I've, impress people who come important. into your office. I, feel, I need to feel special. I'm okay. a four. Oh, hey, Indeed. another Enneagram
1: four. Speaking stuff. of the Enneagram. I think I understand that. Yes. Yeah. So, folks, we are in the middle of this uh, mini-series on the Enneagram, uh, and we wanted to talk, talk with uh, Chuck today because Chuck knows a thing or two about the Enneagram. Uh, And if you have listened to our podcast for a while, you know that Chuck also has been on our podcast before, so welcome back. Thank you. Uh, And Chuck knows a thing or two about narcissism. (laughs) And what's I think that? It, what's
4: that supposed to mean? It, well, well, there's only you know. a few
0: <laughs> experts on narcissism, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Chuck is takes definitely one, to, one of them.
1: Takes one to no one. Wow. Yeah. No no no, 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 no. Just joking. No, but uh, that's what you talked about with us last time. <laughs> yeah. Um, talked about uh, narcissism in in leadership, uh, and I think right. you just threw out right at the end of that podcast right. that mm-hmm. you had done some work on the nine faces of narcissism right. and how narcissism shows up in each of the Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I thought, uh, I'm filing that idea away for later, and uh, here we are. We're going to talk about the nine faces uh, of narcissism through the lens of the Enneagram. Um, and maybe maybe it'd be good to just to preface this by saying, like, like our first podcast about the Enneagram, we talked about how it's been helpful for our own formation. Mm. Um, and so what... I don't. Know, maybe you can answer this, Chuck. Like, yeah, what? how did you encounter it? What the anagram? Yeah, Chuck. Yeah. Like, okay. how did you
4: encounter it, and and why was it so appealing to yeah. you? Okay,
1: well, let's yeah. That's good.
4: Yeah, yeah. It was back back in uh, the late 90s. I was in a counseling program back then, and one of my supervisors was using a book called Radical Grace by Richard Rohr. Oh, yeah. And we would read one of those devotions or meditations every time we were together. And so I did a little bit of research about this Richard Rohr mm-hmm. and discovered his Enneagram book and devoured oh. it. Oh, Yeah. And that was that was the first read, and you know, I mean, we've the last three or four or five years, there are so many books out, but I could not find very many resources back there uh, about the enneagram. I yeah. found some things here or there, and maybe every two years or something, found a little book, picked it up, read it. Um, I have not done any kind of formal training, but I've just read and worked with people, and uh, and had many 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 conversations and uh, work groups and. Uh, triad groups and all sorts of other contexts where I've used the Enneagram. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: it's really similar for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I've, I've never been trained formally in it, but um, have just been fascinated with it and interested in it. Mm. Um, and not just academically, but very quickly, it was helpful for my own formation. Mm. And very quickly, it was helpful for my ministry yeah. as well, where I began to help. It was easier to help people kind of understand you know their underlying motiva- motivations right. and right. kind of reveal right. some of that stuff. Mm. So it's great. Yeah. So, um, so uh, as we talk about then the intersection of the enneagram with narcissism, like what um, I'd love to just ask, like what as people get ready to kind of hear about this, how can this become for us not just sort of an interesting academic mm. kind of exercise, but like what should we be thinking about as we as we listen for these nine ways that narcissism shows up yeah. uh, in our lives.
4: Yeah. So as I got into the narcissism conversation uh, for the book, I mean, I've been doing work with folks in, in clinical counseling for 20 plus years now mm-hmm. and encountered narcissism in all kinds of different contexts. But as I was getting into more of the, the like formal research for the book... I was noticing that in a number of the works that I was consulting and reading, there would be like labels for different kinds of narcissists, right? Okay. That really matched my experience. Like sometimes we've got this kind of typical sense of what a narcissist is very grandiose and arrogant and overconfident, things yeah. like that. Yeah. But, but it, it got me thinking I wonder if the Enneagram might be helpful. I wonder if the mm. Enneagram describes particular kinds of energies that can manifest in narcissistic kinds of ways. And one of the big distinctions when we talk about narcissism is grandiose narcissism versus what they call vulnerable narcissism. Some people mm. call it covert narcissism. But grandiose narcissism, being the the person who wants to be on stage and is more grandiose, inspiring, kind of overtly impact, arrogant. Overtly yeah. arrogant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But vulnerable narcissism shows up in a much different way, hmm. uh, a bit more passive-aggressive, a kind of smug superiority. Uh, someone who plays the victim, high emotionality uh somewhat dramatic behind the scenes, but you feel the tug you f- you know just mm. so I began working this through the lens of the Enneagram and just rolled with it yeah. so this is this is based on my own you know my own work with people over the last twenty years as a pastor and a therapist and a spiritual director hmm. it's suggestive I kind of say hey i'm this chapter i'm putting out there and i'd love people to interrogate it but here yeah. it is here's a yeah. here are some thoughts yeah can it, that's can great you, yeah so
0: this is an, a series on the enneagram but um would you give us a brief like simple synopsis of what you're referring to when you describe narcissism right it's it, yeah, that word good. that word has a lot of cultural purchase in our in our world mm-hmm. but um and so one of the one of the Problems is we use it so much that we no longer know what it means. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's a jerk is a narcissist. <clears throat> so what what are you referring to when you describe a narcissist?
4: Well, this is it, it's tough because there is some nuancing. Mm. So there's the DSM five, you know, the, the the psychiatric bible. There's the DSM five diagnosis that right. talks about things like grandiosity, a lack of empathy, identity impairments, features like that. But I think. We talk about narcissism more uh, in a more nuanced way. That's where the enneagram types can help. Hmm. I do think okay. you know, in general, when we talk about personality disorders, it's kind of like the armor that we wear in the world. Hmm. Uh, personality disorders, like narcissistic personality, histrionic, avoidant, are ways that we learned very early on to cope in a broken world. Okay. We all have some armor that we wear. We talk about the masks that we wear, the yeah. personas, things like that, but. With a personality disorder, it has become fixed. It's almost like it's become the primary identity. And okay. it really pr- protects a hurting, vulnerable person inside, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So, narcissism then is the fixation or the fetishing of uh, m- focusing on me and getting like protecting me, getting my needs met, yeah, like right. self
4: absorption. You, you, I think you're right in that. It's a way of getting needs met, right? And so, there's this, mm. I would say, vulnerable needy insecure little child inside who who at a very early age learned that there's another way of doing life in the world i can do life with as a bully Mm. i can i can put on this thick armor and i don't have to feel the pain that i felt when i was traumatized as a second or third grader yeah. Um and you know, by the time you're thirty five years old, it's it's just your identity. Yeah. And so if I sit down with a thirty five year old pastor who's narcissistic and I, I say, you're narcissistic No, I'm just I'm just a confident leader. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just a gifted communicator. It's uh there's not that level of self awareness. Yeah.
1: So there can be like this over identification with this mask right. that you right. originally you mm-hmm. you know you you had to maybe to survive, you Mm -hmm. know, just a way of avoiding pain and, you know, trying to cope in the world. But, like, uh, the technical diagnosis is basically somebody who has taken that mask and then they've associated that as their identity and they've become maybe unaware of the vulnerable yeah. child within, yeah. so It's, who, speak, it's just right? who they are, right. you know.
4: And yeah. we, we talk about narcissism on a spectrum, by the way. So there's a narcissistic uh, style of relating, which might not even be problematic. It might just be someone who shows up more confidently. Okay, I, I, yeah. But then there's narcissistic type, which may or might, may not be a problem. Okay. Uh, I often find that people who test on the psychological testing that I do is narcissistic type— have at least some self-awareness so that when I bring that data to them, they'll say, you know, I suspected that I might show up like spiked on that spectrum, and mm. I, I hate that I, I can be as arrogant as I am. When they test into personality disorder and I bring that to them, generally they'll become defensive and reactive, I and see. they'll say, well, of course, you're a psychologist, and you're going to say that, and, and, you know, yeah. and we're off to the races. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: So to speak. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So, okay. so what? What struck me as you shared about these two uh, essential type of narcissists, the grandiose narcissist is the one I think that comes to mind for most of us who've encountered this word. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. The bombastic, sort of uh, no empathy, um, kind of arrogant leader. Uh, but I. So that we can talk more about that. Uh, but I'm curious. You're using this other vulnerable. narcissist. Yeah, the vulnerable narcissist.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, could you Could you unpack that a bit and say more about that?
4: Yeah. Well, some of the features of vulnerable narcissism, uh, I'd say a smug superiority. Uh, There's a sense of sort of like almost like a condescending. They can be quiet, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a quiet condescension Mm. when you encounter them. They tend to be self-absorbed. They tend to lack empathy. You'll experience them as passive aggressive. So maybe not the, the aggressive bullying type that you see with grandiosity. Yeah. uh emotionally sensitive you know uh, th- there's an emotional reactivity and so at one moment they might be pretty put together and the next moment maybe you challenge them how could how dare you challenge my leadership mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing yeah. and and so they they tend to be a little bit more emotionally volatile mm-hmm. and then my experience is they tend to feel misunderstood like you just not you just don't recognize how special I am. Hmm. Uh, wh- what a gifted leader I am! Wh- whatever, whatever, whatever it is that wh- however that, that shows up yeah. for them, yeah. you know. Uh, so, so it's not. It may not be the person on stage. It might be, for instance, I'm thinking of a particular story here. I won't use names, but a rural pastor in a small parish who w- was a part of a kind of a small church, and it was the true church, you oh, know, yeah. with the right doctrine. Yeah, yeah. And he was a kind of quiet, shy character, you know, that kind of meekly get up behind the pulpit, and then you'd kind of see the condescending, authoritative word come forth, you know. Mm. And and when when he had a problem with you, he would never come to you directly. It would always be through the back door. It would always be passive aggressive. And people would say to me, I feel like I walk on eggshells around him. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, well give me an example of what that looks like. And they'd be like, I'm not really sure. It's just he's just kind of condescending and uh, does he? What kind of words does he? Well, I don't even know the words he uses. It's just as hmm. he just shows up as as kind of a bully, but he doesn't use bullying words, and so it's more confusing. Yeah, and this is where we get into the language of like emotional abuse, psychological abuse, gaslighting, gaslighting kinds of behaviors, yeah. right. things like that. Right? Yeah. So th- this is fat, hmm. like
0: we're just developing language I think culturally, socially. Yes. Um, I mean, uh, psychologists had language probably for this longer. But I feel like popularly, mm-hmm. people are waking up to the fact, as they relate to that person in that local church, yeah. hey, this isn't right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... Yeah. More people know what gaslighting is Maybe now, 30 years ago, yeah, though, yeah. it wasn't yeah. that this isn't right. It was, how do we keep this guy happy? yeah And how do we sort of avoid arousing his condensation and, yeah. and ire? And now yeah. it's like, yeah. wait, you can't. This isn't good.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's, That's right. This isn't a good thing. That's right.
4: Yeah. It's not good, and and what's hard is that if you're in the immediate orbit, you feel it. You know, if you're a staff member, maybe you experience yep. it, but but then elders or deacons or other people sort of per- peripheral to it will say. Yes. But he's so good, uh-huh. and he's such a great preacher, and <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. the the book that he wrote was so helpful, and the fruits of yep. of what we're the doing in our ministry. ministry are you yep. know God's just blessing what we're doing, so it must be you, you're just sensitive, you know yeah, and yeah and and that's that's the crazy making piece of yes. it that's that's when we use the word gaslighting. yes,
0: so okay, that really helps me um I don't want want to talk about the vulnerable narcissist anymore. <laughs> because it, there may or may not be things that fit that I need to reckon with. But yeah. We'll get back to that. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can we connect this then back to the Enneagram? How do, yes. these, how do
4: these two sort yeah, of how big p- uh, buckets of grandiose and yeah. vulnerable, how do they fit yeah. into the Enneagram? So uh, the way I like to think about it, and I didn't go into this in great depth in the book, but I'll give you some like, like kind of backstory categories that I use um, Uh, Sometimes folks who talk about the Enneagram use uh, what they call the Hornavian types of the Enneagram. Psychologist Karen Hornai, who who talked about three sort of primary styles of relating in the world, a more sort of aggressive style, a more ingratiating style, and a more withdrawing kind of style. And and there are some scholars in the Enneagram who have said that threes, sevens, and eights are the more aggressive style. Okay. I think they show up a, a little bit more like the grandiose narcissist. Okay. We can talk more about that. Nines, four, and fives, which you might assume would be more withdrawing types. Mm -hmm. And they'll show up a bit more like the vulnerable narcissism that we just talked about. And then one, twos, and sixes who tend to be more the compliant or ingratiating types. And I think it's pretty mixed with them. Okay. Uh, and even, even depending on subtypes, which I don't get into in the book, you can see significant yeah. differences. Yeah. Uh, what I did in the book was I, I tried to just give general summaries of the nine faces, and then I did an appendix at the end with, like, how do you work with folks like this? How
1: do you yeah. see growth, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's really helpful. So uh, maybe, maybe we can go through the nine types. Sure. Uh, so we've got uh, grandiose and vulnerable, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they end up splitting out into um, these overall types. There may be some people listening to the podcast who like the Enneagram is very new, yeah. As well. So maybe as we describe how narcissism shows up in these types, we can just give a brief description of what you know what a one is and, yeah. and what a two is yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. And and then I like the idea of maybe ending with like how to. I mean, Matt, you're already, you're already talking about like, ooh, like maybe some you, – you can recognize this stuff in yourself. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. That's. I, I think that's an important thing to point out, though. Mm-hmm. Like narcissist, it's not just like alert other people might be narcissists. That's right. Right? It's alert. We've all got this going on yeah, in some yeah, level. And yeah. so like, hmm. let's learn to be aware of it. It's
4: not like an on-off switch or binary like right. you got it or you don't. You got right. the disease or you don't. <laughs> right. You know, right. like, yeah. I, I do think – uh, yeah, when I did my personality testing, my my patho- psychopathology testing, I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, yep, there it is. Yep. It wasn't narcissism; it was more his, histrionic, which is in okay. the Cluster B personality disorders, which is like a close cousin of narcissism, okay. but very like very much like shows up through fourness and stuff. Yeah. I was like, Oh, yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. I got work to do. Yes, <laughs> I've always can,
0: can I confess something before you get into these? <laughs> yeah. I've, sure. I've always uh, I've always thought of histrionic uh-huh. as sort of a uh, a badge of honor.
4: <laughs> <laughs> of course, you do. Like, I'm, tell us more about that. You, you know, I'm just like,
0: you know, uh, not everybody can bring out of their storehouse uh, old emotions and new emotions oh. whenever they want. <laughs> yes, you know. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. It's so, yeah, you yeah. know, I may just, I may just be confessing that to you. Yeah,
1: well, you're you're forgiven, my son. Thanks. Anyway. Mm. Uh, all right, all right. Let's all talk right. about the types. Uh, so, one. Yeah. Let's start with one.
4: Yeah, well you know, maybe maybe we'll oh, go maybe for, we'll just go through the Horna, Hornavian uh thing, good, you know, yeah, like yeah. with more aggressive, grandiose. So Perfect. you know, when we talk about the okay. Hornavian types, the more aggressive types are the threes, okay. the Three, sevens seven and, and the eights, right? Uh the threes, uh some some folks call them the winner, uh mm. the performer. They show up as more grandiose. This is the guy who likes to be on stage. You know, okay. this is when I'm doing my psychological assessments, this is the, the church planter who's the gifted communicator. Yeah. And you know, the the Presbytery or the network has sent them to me, like this is our guy. Mm. I mean, he's gonna do great things for the kingdom. Right. And he's such a gifted preacher and he's in- inspiring. <laughs> yeah. And 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 then we do the testing and uh, we, we do a little bit of discernment around personality and yeah. we, we land on three loves to be on stage. Well, that can be healthy, right? Sure. There can be sort of a healthy confidence and people are gifted in those kinds of mm-hmm. ways, but yep. the way I see it show up narcissistically is like he's he's got to be on stage. Right. Like like he preaches 52 weeks a year, mm-hmm. you know, and I start talking about, "Well, do you, do you ever allow the associate to preach or mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's just, we, we've got to just really protect the pulpit. You know, it's Sunday mornings are, you guys have heard this, right? Yeah, Sunday sure, mornings sure. are really special times. You know, we, we can't, We people are coming in and evaluating us every Sunday. Mm-hmm. He cannot separate his own sense of um, uh, identity from his stage presence, you yes. know? And so this can yeah. be really damaging and, and destructive, right? I often say to folks like this who are always on stage, like, w- won't you just allow me to go Backstage with you for just a little bit. I just love to know what what's backstage, you know, because you're always even in our counseling sessions or spiritual yeah. direction stuff. Se- so like he he's always on, yeah, he's right, al- he, or she or is always she's always on is yeah. always yeah. killing it too. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's right. So this is what that's threes right. are really good at. They're really good at assessing mm-hmm. what is the evaluative measure yeah. in which I can have success and yeah. be seen yeah. as competent, yeah. and yeah. then I'm going to do
1: that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In order to receive, I've mm-hmm. heard like admiration. Mm-hmm. Admiration is a big oh, deal yeah. for threes. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah, and and ca- they're chameleons, right? So mm-hmm. they can they can smell out a room and know how to get it wherever they are, you know. And so, so yeah, do, doing the work with threes is really, in a sense, inviting them uh, to to backstage. Like, let's just would you let me in for you know, mm-hmm. you can do yeah. your little dance for me for you know forty five minutes of our session together. But would you just let me? What's it like to What's it like when you're scared? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, what's it like when you feel insecure? What's it like when a sermon? Uh, you know, go south, and you just don't feel like it went very well. I, you know, and that's that's where you get them in a place where if they're willing to go there, it can be really beautiful. Yeah. A lot of them are not willing to go there. Yes. So, threes are most out of touch with their emotions. Yes. Right. Right. Um, sevens, on the other hand, Claudio Naranjo, if if you know about the sort of the history of the Enneagram, saw the seven as the classic narcissist, huh. and sevens are often called the Epicure, the optimist, um, but. I call these folks the disconnected visionaries. There's always a new thing, you know, Mm. like I've got a big announcement to make, you know, and they come into the staff. We're going (laughs) to go in this direction for the kingdom, you know, and and I need you, you and you to do this, this and this. And like a month later... I I just got some new inspiration. We're yes. gonna do this for the kingdom this yeah. time. You know, we're gonna be yeah. build this building. We're gonna hire this person, mm. and they're 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 always sort of living in some sort of future <laughs> yeah. reality, right? But uh, but there's a sense of brooding yeah. anger, right? Because they disintegrate to one. So there's always a sense oh, of like brooding yeah. anger. Like if you're not willing to go with me, you are against me at some level. Yeah. Right. So that's how I see them showing up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, does that resonate? Do it experience. does resonate. I'm,
1: I'm giving Matt knowing looks over here. Yeah,
4: oh, I can't tell if you're
0: hungry, if you have to use a restroom.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. What yeah. we're
0: doing <laughs> is we we're, we're I think probably both those things are true, but we're also the just head. it's it's really difficult to not uh, yeah. think of people when you name these oh, uh, I know. these types, oh, right? Sure. And yeah. they kind of orbit into yeah. like yeah. your head, and you yeah, think yeah. about yeah. how you relate to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I I I find myself just uh, I'm a four, and I find mm-hmm. myself as a four having this. Confrontational, oppositional um, energy towards mm. uh, threes. So I'm with, yeah. with a three, and they're like got a hand behind yeah. their back, and they're doing a show. Yeah, uh, I just am like, not today, son. <laughs> like that's <laughs> not, my energy. It's not like today, so you know, yeah. I'm not yeah, gonna. Yeah. So so my uh, average and unhealthy threes want you to mirror their personality. Mm-hmm. They want mm-hmm. they really want you to like mm-hmm. get into mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. relational space with mm-hmm. them. Uh-huh. And I find like I just am like, nope. Yeah, and then right. they're like. What did I do wrong? Yeah, Why are yeah. you mad at me? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, but then sevens, man, I, uh, healthy sevens uh-huh. give me so much life. Yeah, because yeah. I I'm, yeah, I tend right. to be sort of a right. sanguine kind of yeah, melancholic yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And when I'm around a healthy seven, it just fills me up with I don't know. It's like sunshine and rainbows. You, so maybe I'm life is going to be okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Like and my my seven year old I think is a seven, mm. Mm. and yeah. uh, she uh, doesn't have tons and tons of wounding and baggage yet so she, uh-huh. her unhealth yeah. and her seven is is not as yeah. like maybe yeah. as damaging as a adult's unhealth yeah. right but she steals uh, gum because she wants to make sure she has she some. hoards and steals <laughs> gum and and yeah. uh, but but her incessant changing of clothes and writing a book every day and yeah. drawing pictures and and uh pretending to be teaching a school and, yeah. and and um like all of it like and then her singing of songs like it it actually is such a gift to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such yeah. a gift to yeah. me. So I'm thinking yeah. about these things as you're yeah.
4: talking. Well, it's, it's beautiful. And, you know, we're, we're starting out with two, with a more classic sort of Enneagram narcissist, right? right? The threes and the sevens. And when I think about a seven... Uh, I want them to enjoy the present moment, to sort of drop down into the present moment, drop down into their feelings. They're so envisioned, They're so in their head. They're so in the future.
1: The next thing is going to be great.
4: That's right. Better than now. Yeah. 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 And and when when I'm doing this kind of consulting work and I've got a pastor who is narcissistic and is, is seven, it's like, it's so hard for them. Like... Uh, come on, just tell me tell me where we're going with this. Tell me, is this going to cost me my job? Tell me, we're going to be, you know, and I'm just like, just trust the process. Why? Oh, no, no, no. Because yeah. no, they, they can tend to be schemers too, yeah, right? Yeah, so there's got to yeah, be yeah. some angle. So yeah. three yeah. sevens wow. and then eights, of course. Eights uh-huh. are, are, are maybe, uh, you know, the challenger. They can be controlling threatening uh they show up as as bullies i mean yeah it, i i've got a really good friend who's an eight and i sometimes think eights get a bad rap you know oh, yeah. uh, we it's easy to pin on them that kind of that angry controlling kind of kind of vibe but I think eights can show up in really beautiful ways when sure, they get in touch with their own yeah. sense of vulnerability, right? Because oh, yeah. eights, eights, show up. Uh, eights generally, the story is at a very early age. I learned that vulnerability was not good, not yes. safe, not safe. Yes. Yeah. And so now I've got to operate my world with with lots of strength and um, mm-hmm. self protection. And when you can get to that place where, the, I, I told a friend like 12 years ago when we first met, he's like, I don't feel shame, and I'm like, I will find it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: we will Shall get there. We? Yes, 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 because I live in shame as a poor, right? So like I will, I'm sure you know, you we, have will, some. We, will, yes. we will find it at some point. That's great. And, and now he, uh-huh. oh, tears come so freely and he experiences oh, sadness, beautiful. he experiences yeah. his shame. So, yeah, so threes, sevens, and eights tend to be the more aggressive types, right? Yeah. That we would say would be maybe more typically narcissistic in terms of right. the caricatures and definitions we have. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the cultural caricature of a narcissist, right, 3, 7, and 8, that's kind of who comes to mind. Yeah. Sure, um, yeah.
4: Yeah. Anyway, yeah, lots, so lots we could say, but let's, let's move on. Lots we could say. Well, and we can return back to one of these if we've got sure. time, but okay. let, let's just flip the script down, go to the more vulnerable, withdrawn types, the nines, okay. the fours, and the fives, and you say, a nine?
3: Mm. Like, how
4: in the world can a nine right. show up? But there's a kind of quiet rage in unhealthy nines. Now, we're talking about unhealthy nines. I don't sure, know if yeah. you guys remember uh, Riso, was it Riso and Hudson did the levels of development yep. yeah. in the Enneagram, right? When he One, gets down three, to seven. the lowest levels, yeah. right, it's like, it's, it's like it gets really dark. It does. Every t- yep, and it even does. with nines, even, even with our nines, peacemaking yes. friend nines, you know, mm. uh, I talk about the quiet rage. Uh, uh, Susan, mm. Suzanne Stabile talks about uh, storing, they store up arrows in their quiver, You know, just ready, ready to release them at any moment. Yeah, resentment arrows. Like it's, it's not going to come out like an eight, right? It's, but it's in there. And you might not experience it. You might not feel it. But you, you got to know it's in there. But mm-hmm. it, it will come out at some point. Mm-hmm. And generally, it comes out passive aggressively. It, it can come out and them just cutting you off when they're right. really unhealthy or right. shutting you out. Yeah, and, and so it's like, where did that come from? Because she's so nice. Never, you saw, know? That, yeah. Never yeah. saw that coming. Yes. Uh, and so they, they need to learn to connect to their anger more and own it. Yes. You know, like yes. eight, eights need to move toward vulnerability and own the shame. Nines actually need to to learn to to own their anger. I'm yes. really angry right yes. now. That's an emotion that I feel, and I can say that I'm really angry at you right, right. now. Yeah. That That's a really beautiful thing with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fours, then fours. Uh, fours are, of course, we, we know, we can, Matt, are most like Jesus. We can skip fours so we, if we want. Yeah. We, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so four is the the need just in general for the any grant for folks yeah. if it's new to you right the yeah. four is the uh, Roar calls it the need to be special the need to be special um, the individualist Matt, the romantic. yeah the individualist the romantic yeah. uh,
0: special special is a strategy though it's not a yeah, coordinate it's a strategy right. yeah in order to th- be seen I think right? a four yeah. needs to be seen that's right I'm with you on that yeah. see me mm-hmm. yeah. and then when you see, see my authentic self and when you yeah. see me like really if like. you are able to see me I'll I'll have a me. Yeah, that's the promise. Yeah, yeah. I'll have that's an identity good. if you can see me. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so then, special is the hustle
4: to yeah. be mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Yep. and so in that sense, uh, at our worst, we can be emotionally manipulative. Hmm. Um, we can we can use we can sort of use our pain. We can use our suffering, and we're not really owning our feelings or feeling our feelings in any kind of genuine way. Now it becomes a way of drawing people into our orbit. You know, I'm yeah. always in need. I'm always in crisis. I'm always suffering. Look yeah. at me. You're missing me, you're misunderstanding me, yeah. uh, you're neglecting me, you're excluding me. And <laughs> and so we become yeah, yeah. Uh, more a bit more vulnerable in our narcissism. Yeah, and yeah. I think
0: it's really clear to me then how like a four can be a narcissist. Because if your fixation is on a me that you don't think exists, mm-hmm. then you're co- everything's self-referential right. unto that, right? That's so right. That everything you're doing, every moving out in the world is to confirm the me that you're yeah. scared to death doesn't exist. Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's
4: right. And, it, you know, I, we know from, from Riso, if it was Riso Hudson who did the levels of development, we, we can become really self-destructive and yep. sabotaging uh, yeah. when we're in unhealth. Yeah. Uh, but thank, thanks be to God, we're in incredible health, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I thank goodness I'm in a room with yeah. two healthy fours. Thank otherwise. goodness this isn't describing us. <laughs> so yeah, this is. The so point let's where it, move on then. Yeah. <laughs> I thank God that I don't struggle but with I'm smug like superiority.
3: Yes, <laughs> at that's all. Right.
4: Yes, and I'm never manipulative. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Oh, right. Next interviews with my daughters and my wife to talk about these things. Um, <laughs> the five I call the distancer. The five is the observer. The five. Uh, you know, the five with narcissism is the intellectually distant one, the okay. condescending one. That's how I see them. Uh, the know-it-all. You know, they show up to your, your community group at church with 17 commentaries, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just a participant in the group to show you what you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and so th- that smug superiority plays itself out. They generally don't want to be on stage, but boy, right. do they have power. And yeah. they will use their intellectual firepower Uh, To destroy you, you to overwhelm (laughs) you, right? Yes. Yes. So, um, but again, they're they're you know they're vulnerable. Every one of these, you know, they're vulnerable too. Like so, so. But in in, but in this sense, you know, I think with not to get too weird or psychoanalytical or anything like that, but I I think that there are little boys and little girls in each and every one of us. You know, they're like little five, six, seven year old. Like there's little Chucky inside here who just wants to be seen. I just yeah. wants to belong. Just wants wants you guys to like me. Wants to belong to this crew. So, mm. with each one of these, it's like there's a five who, you know, was in his closet at 10 years old reading Tolkien. You know, <laughs> <laughs> because memorizing the world all the poems, memorizing, so. you know, uh learning the Elven language yeah. and you yeah. know and they I just I'm like invite me into the closet. I just want to know you. Yeah. Um I want to know the you who was scared to go out into the world and who avoided and isolated, right? Yeah. yeah so, hmm. yeah. Beautiful. That's really good. So, so the, those are the with, withdrawn types. So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right.
1: And yeah. then the the rest of them are, you said, kind of mixed. It's like a mixture of vulnerability. And, yeah. yeah,
4: ones, twos, and sixes. I mean, ones we sometimes call the reformer, the perfectionist, you know, and the narcissism that I see here is through perfecting others, perfecting the world, you (laughs) know, that that, that there's always a sense that there's something wrong.
1: There's something wrong and it's up to me to fix
4: it. It's up to you to fix it, you know, and so you walk around eggshells around them sometimes because they they, they tend to be self-righteous and there is a smugness. So this could be the smug superiority of the vulnerable narcissist, or this can also be the grandiosity of the, imagine like the lawyer, the high-powered lawyer who comes in. Yeah. Chuck name. I have a friend let's call yeah. him Lynn Blerky <laughs> and <laughs> Lynn Blerky <laughs> yeah
0: uh, he's a one right.
1: he may or may yeah. not be in the room <laughs> yeah.
0: no uh, uh, yeah so Ben's a one yeah. and you you can speak to this a little bit
1: yeah for sure I mean I, I uh, that that's I mean I I chimed in right away because I'm very familiar with that feeling that mm-hmm. like there's something wrong with the world but then like that you know, that may that's true. You know what I mean? Like that, that's right. that's true, yeah. but then there is uh, sort of automatically for me attached to it a sense of responsibility, mm-hmm. um, which I but I haven't been often aware of. With that sense of responsibility is also a self righteousness, right? Right? Which is like, well, th- I know what to do, yeah. and it's up to me. Yeah. And if you all just listen to me, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. then then things yeah. will be better. So, my wife has talked about walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. like I'm not. It always surprised me when she would say that because mm-hmm. I'd be like, what? I don't, I'm not aware that I'm yeah. projecting some sort of like expectation on you, but I but I am. I have to be really aware of it that yeah. like people tend to encounter me as somebody who's got an opinion and yeah. I'm not sure I'm living mm-hmm. up to it. Yeah.
0: It's a megaphone you know I mean? and a
4: whip. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, if
4: the people who are in relationship with you are not connected to themselves and self aware, they they might. Uh, second-guess themselves. I I always feel like I'm wrong around him. I always feel like I'm doing something wrong. So, yeah, and this plays out, you know, I think the the, the one-to-one or sexual one is the countertype, right? And so it's the more angry... Uh, overtly like a, angry overtly one, angry yeah. and, and I've seen folks like this show up in narcissistic ways like I'm just a one I'm entitled to be angry and you're wrong you know that kind of thing <laughs> well, yeah. whereas the social tends to be a little bit more of the smug condescending one yeah, you know constantly yeah. living as the, the archetype of the perfect one you know yeah. so mm. one's uh, ones, twos, twos. Two's really interesting, you know. Uh, I was doing a podcast with Michael Cusick out at Restoring the Soul, and Michael gave me some insight. He's a two, and he calls twos the benevolent narcissist, you know. Beatrice Chestnut, who writes on narcissism, says that there's this core strategy of seductiveness in the world, manipulation, uh, and and they can be really uh, inspiring. They can be really endearing people. They can show up in ways that you f- you just feel like they are for you. Yeah. But they're doing it in a way to get their own needs met, right? And so, okay. I call this like a kind of bless your heart kindness. Bless oh my your heart, gosh. And, and yet oh you and yet at, <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's a kind of manipulation that you see in the benevolent, benevolent narcissist. Like they mm. they can't be narcissistic because they're so self giving. They're, so, self-giving. they're right. so they seem empathetic. So they seem other to be
0: centered. For me. Other so self sacrificial. Right. Yeah. I feel like Enneagram two, like an average to unhealthy Enneagram two, is ninety five percent. Ninety five percent of the churches just want their pastor to be that. Yeah. Mm. Right. Right. That's right, like right, their right. idealized pastor yeah. for most like Christians yeah, is just yeah. give me somebody who will. Always put my needs first, yeah. and will kill themselves to meet my needs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's right. And and there's that quiet rage in the two also again. Yeah. You know that secret, that quiet resentment, like that you're you never look out for me. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the
1: the <laughs> this, the hidden contract that they're yeah. trying to make with you, which that's is right. I'm going to meet your needs, and you should know that that means you're supposed to meet mine without me that's having right. to yeah. ask. That's
0: right. Yeah. Chuck, yeah. we've got a, a dear sister who is an Enneagram two that helps support our work at our church. And a few weeks back, uh, there was this little video from Halloween that made the rounds of this kid who came to one of those bowls that people leave on their front porch mm-hmm. when they're going to be out of town or not home. And they just say, you know, take a piece of candy. And he gets there and the bowl's empty. Mm-hmm. And, and the kid reaches into his bag oh, yeah. and puts candy into the bowl. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I share this with her and i was like it looks like something an enneagram 2 would do yeah. and she says back she's like oh my gosh this kid this is so enneagram 2 she uh-huh. said this kid will have to work all this out
4: in counseling later in life. <laughs> <laughs> so it was interesting like all these people cuz his video went viral too right yeah, so it's like his strategy is right there for all the world to uh, see yeah.
0: well it also yeah. shows us it also shows us i think one of the powerful um, part of the wisdom of the enneagram is that it's not black and white bad good right yeah. right people look at that kid and they think, oh, what a selfless giving, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, it could be altruistic mm-hmm. that's driving mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Or it could be this desperate need yeah. to be helpful. Yeah. To do to do something yeah. for some other people. Yeah. Right? And like a right.
1: combination of both in the same act. Or, you know what both, I mean? Like both, it could right? just be like yeah. both, you know, a sense of, well, this is, I'm going to give to some other kids. And because this is how I'm going to get my identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like
4: Yeah. yeah this, and, and when you're self-aware... That's when we see really glorious things happen in relationship. Like so, when I'm brooding and 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 kind of in my self-pres for long suffering self, you know, and uh, it was just a really hard day, Sarah. Which was just me trying to just you know mm-hmm. get something from her. Like, yeah, yeah just c- come on, see me right now, right? Mm-hmm. And if I could just stop and say, there you go, Chuck. There mm-hmm. you go. Um, so why don't you just. Uh, Ask Sarah; if she's got time to talk and be honest about what you're feeling, rather than employing your strategy of this kind of, "Oh yeah, it was another long day." We like to sigh a lot as fours; like <laughs> oh, it was another really long day. I'm so tired, you know. There's yeah. so much yeah. going on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why don't I just say, Sarah, do you have time to talk? I'm struggling with some things today. And just be honest about yeah, what's yeah, yeah. going on, just own you know. It. Yeah, yeah, just own it. Yeah. Right, brooding.
0: So, brooding is such a powerfully. Poignant word mm-hmm. for yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Emotional constellation. Brooding. Yes.
4: Brooding. Oh yeah. Let's get away from the fours <laughs> again, and how do we get back on the move force? to the yeah. sixes? Oh, the sixes because the sixes, sixes will rarely show up grandiose. Rarely yes. show up on stage. They're behind the scenes. They love to be you know loyal to the team, to the institution, to the. But they can use that in ways, and I, I call them uh, the Hawkeye. Uh, they mm. they tend to be what I call the hyper vigilant. Narcissist, you know, always sort of guarding, guarding what's right, guarding the rules of the system. That's not the way we do this around here, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, when I've been around unhealthy sixes, I feel really anxious around them. Hmm. They're kind of the rule-following judger of others, right? And and so you're like, what? She's such a she's our accountant. You know, she's quiet. Mm -hmm. She kind of keeps to herself. But how come I, you know, every time I bring a receipt to her and I haven't like gotten. I don't have the itemized receipt. Like, she's yeah. like, I feel like she's going to jump all over me. But then it comes out like behind the scenes that m- then my boss comes to me and says, Well, so and so says that you're not doing this right. And, you know, yeah. I-, I always feel like I'm in trouble with her. Mm. But she's so nice. She's our nice accountant, you yeah, know, and she dresses yeah. so well and she's so loyal. And yeah. yeah. So it's that kind of thing. Okay. It's, it's a hyper vigilant narcissism that uh, mm. you encounter. And they're not really aware of that. And they think they're just kind of like guarding guarding the, the, you know, the rules of the system. Right. But they're not really aware of how they're coming off, you know. Yeah. A little look-alike stuff to the one with little with bit. sixes yeah. and ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so look, that. look So, yeah, hmm. those are, the, the. I mean, we're hmm. just scraping hmm. the surface hmm. right now, right? That's really But those a really are some good, of the kind of the brief descriptions.
0: That's really good. What I like about this, too, is that I think in, in a cultural moment like now, like we can all sort of look at high-profile people like a Steve Jobs or um you know one of the disgraced megachurch pastors in the last 4 years and they all kind of have the same characteristics personalities and we can say this is what narcissism is yeah. and and this is how it hurts people and what I right. like about what you're doing mm-hmm. Chuck is that it's um man the word narcissism the word of narcissism can't become a weapon we use on others that's right, right. It, like we yeah. it, it it has to it has to be sort of a microscope or maybe like a, just a lens that reveals mm-hmm. who we are yeah. so that we can stand in solidarity with yeah. You know, that mega church pastor yeah. that broke a bunch of people's hearts and left. Yeah. And, and we can say, you know, we all have this brokenness right. yeah. and it manifests itself in different yeah. ways. And this is yeah. just vital work. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I appreciate what you've said about some of the types, Chuck, which is, um, again, like the, the, the point of this isn't to be like, ah, that person's a narcissist, cut them off, you know, scapegoat them. You know, right. like like the, now they're a pariah. But uh, for for each of these types, you've had a like a strategy that you've used maybe in in therapy or, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But a way to sort of invite them into something that would help them move against right. their narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? To to into yeah. true vulnerability, yeah. um, which I, I think that that that's been really helpful for yeah. me as well.
4: And knowing the strategies, if you can build some trust, and if you can hold hold it and honor it, not try to beat through the armor that is the kind of the narcissistic self or yeah but but knowing the strategy then you can you can sort of you could sort of ask for an invitation to mm. like behind the scenes like when i when i yeah. talk about force sometimes i use the metaphor of a hurricane you know, they're, mm. the the hurricane winds. And so will you, will you invite me to the quiet, calm center of the storm? I'd like to really know you when you're not sort of in, in drama. Like sometimes mm. when I'm seeing my, my four clients or spiritual directees, they'll come in, oh, I've got a story to tell you this week. You wouldn't believe, you know? Okay, so I'll let them do their little drama thing for the first 15 minutes. And i will say, can we just hit pause? Like, can we, Would you mind just kind of inviting me behind the scenes into that quiet? You know, and so I I want for each one of them, I want to sort of recognize that I see you and this isn't all of who you are. You know, um, these are strategies that, you know, when you were six years old, you didn't wake up one morning and say, I just want to become a... Asshole, if I can say it on the pocket. <laughs> you, you, know that's what, funny. you know what? Yeah, six I, years I, old. Six year olds may not yeah. be thinking that, but yes. But you wake up one day and you're 40, and you're the pastor of a church, and suddenly, suddenly, yeah. you know, I'm coming in as a psychological assessor, and you're being accused of being a narcissist, and now you're really defensive, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, I want to say. No, you're an image bearer, you've got a story, yes. you're a person to be known. Yes. Uh, now, I want to take seriously how you've hurt people sure. and the ways that this has played itself out, but I also want to take seriously that you're a person in pain as well, Yeah. and um, there's hope.
1: Yes. Uh, it strikes me that that is a way of taking the image of God seriously, is mm-hmm. like uh, taking seriously the hurt yeah, that I've caused, that's right. Right? That's that, right? That That is yeah. taking seriously that you yeah. are an image bearer. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it, It's one of the things the enneagram has helped me so much with is just compassion for where other people are coming from, and realizing mm-hmm. just that. Like they're not trying to be mean, most of them. You know what I mean? Like like most people don't set out to be like I want to hurt as many people as I can. Yeah, today. that's right. Right. Yeah. Most most people are. It's just the unfortunate, inevitable result of me playing this game and trying yeah. to get my own needs met. And it's like mm-hmm. well, I guess I hurt somebody mm-hmm. again, but. Yeah. Until you can name it, and I I just—it's been so helpful for me to realize, okay, there is a vulnerable image bearer in there. That's right. Who's hurting? Mm -hmm. Who's trying to just make it through the day, and this is their strategy for doing so. And so maybe I can, you know, be non-anxious enough in this interaction just to ask a few questions and see if they'll come with me. Yeah, yeah.
4: Just to hold both realities, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think we we often uh, lean on one or the other. You know, like I, I I think we let some narcissists off the hook because it's, right. uh, you know, the gospel tells us to forgive, you know, yes, and we we need to right. offer grace, and but but no, they're hurting people, and there's a debris field, and we need mm-hmm. to take seriously the pain that has been caused. I think on the other side, like I there was there was someone who cut me off because she's like you you are too kind to narcissists, and you need to. You need to understand that the Bible calls them wicked. Oh. And they're, they're the righteous and they're the unrighteous. And you're like a really kind of binary worldview, yeah. you know, yeah. the ins and the outs, the wicked and the, the saints, you know. Yeah. And you're not being tough enough on narcissists. And I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah. I just know. I guess we disagree because theologically I just can't. I don't I, – I can't land there, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking as a narcissist. <laughs> There's but a special one. <laughs> a special one, nar- yeah. unlike,
0: Not like the, unlike others. the other narcissists we've been describing. <laughs> right. Um, no, speaking as a narcissist, uh, what does it mean to be tough on them? Well, mm. there's nothing tougher than confronting them with their narcissism and asking them to meet Jesus right there. Right. what, yeah. what so so we have this uh, notion of justice as retributive or punitive yeah. right. rather than restorative right, right? right. and right. making rectification right. for the wrong that's done. Right. And so then if if narcissism is this cancer, mm-hmm. then then the the toughest thing you can do is is bring that cancer to the surgeon mm-hmm. and and that's allow right. the surgery to happen. That's right. Yeah. You know that's right. rather than throwing the Cancer patient yeah. into prison In, into prison. Yeah. That's punishing not them for yeah. having cancer. Yeah. yeah. So, so part of it is well, how do we get tough on narcissism? Yeah. Right. And one yeah. of the things I hear you doing, uh, Chuck, and I'm sure it's intentional, is you 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 take the hustle whatever whatever mm-hmm. mask is being mm-hmm. worn, and then you do two things. There's an invitation into getting behind that mask. Yeah. That is full of good news, mm-hmm. meaning the good news for your. Uh, being scared of being weak Enneagram mm-hmm. 8 is that you can be vulnerable with me yeah. Right. so it's full of an implicit and there's an actual like embodied response that isn't just like okay I'm going to assent to what Chuck said mm-hmm. and that's going to fix my narcissism no there's like a relational space you yeah. open up yeah. Yeah. for people to step into it that's right. and in view of the mercy that you're yeah. speaking they yeah. offer their body as that's a right. living sacrifice that's Right. Mm-hmm. so uh, the reason I say that is because I think oftentimes when we talk about things like the Enneagram which are powerful tools the uh, th- There's a delta or gap between, okay, what is how do, what does justification by faith have to do with an Enneagram for getting mm-hmm. healthy? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or yeah. what does sanctification have to do with— yeah. uh, le- They think
1: it's a distraction from the gospel or, or something like or that. Or the right?
0: connection isn't explicit or intuitive yeah. for most of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, I, what I hear you doing is gospeling people, mm-hmm. using the language of the yeah. Enneagram and mm-hmm. the lenses it provides yeah. to make Jesus as Lord tangible mm-hmm. and granular— in concrete as, yes. as much as possible, yeah. right where people are.
3: Yeah.
0: That's good. Yeah. It is good. I just, I'm wow. affirming, I'm
4: affirming that. I'm doing some really good things. Talk, <laughs> feel good about yourself. Yeah. Brood, brood just, no more, my brother. Yeah, yeah. So unique and special. Make sure you yes. tell your wife about yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, I said to, uh, this mm-hmm. reminds me of a conversation I had with a pastor who I was working with who I said, can we make a deal? Mm. Um, can I use the language of narcissism with you? recognizing that there are some narcissistic characteristics and there there's been some pain in the church but can can the deal be that i'm not going to define you to your core as a narcissist and that was really freeing for him like Um. you because he felt like oh if i accept that label i'm done and you know i've got a future ministry i've got a condition (sighs) but i like the language of cancer or like a disease or it's not the thing that defines you I, i think This is the case sometimes with addiction, too, and 12-step programs where people define themselves so much as an addict that they forget that there's goodness and beauty in them, right? That they're image bearers and that that's not the whole story. Yes, yes. So I think that there's a lot of good news. I I, I have a lot of hope. I think that there's, um, I think there's transfer. I think if this conversation becomes one that is more alive in the church and we can we can accept this as a way of just naming, as the Enneagram does, patterns or strategies for getting mm-hmm. our needs met yeah. uh, open-handedly and with, with a sense of, of trust, I think. There's some room for transformation and, and hope yes. in the church for awesome. narcissistic pastors and Amen. leaders. That's, so. that's great. Oh, I it. love it. We Chuck, need it. the name of the book again is? Yes. When Narcissism Comes to Church. Great. And yeah, it's a, coming it's out, out, out in March. It's coming March, out in March. 2020. Okay. Yeah. Can people
1: so, pre-order yet?
4: Pre-order, oh. Amazon, IBP. Okay. We'll yeah, Rich Mal wrote the the Ooh. Ford, which oh. I was really grateful for. That's great. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's gotten, uh, as people have read it, I've gotten some really good feedback, so I'm grateful for good. that. I hope it's helpful. Good. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link in the
1: show notes uh, yep. if you guys want to pre-order the book.
0: Thanks for making space. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. to my office. Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> yeah. nice to be <laughs> here. Glad you're here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chuck. Thanks.
2: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.